Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. God tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now that isn't a suggestion, folks, or even an idea. It's a command from God. He wants us to appreciate everything that we have and everything that we are and recognize him for having provided it. And did you catch that? I said everything. That means good and bad because everything in life is God's blessing to us. This Thanksgiving week is a great time to examine our hearts to see if we have that thankful attitude that God tells us to have in all things, not just in the ones we want, but in everything. I'm Debbie Blank, wishing you a blessed Thanksgiving week. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. How important is it to develop an attitude of gratitude? From a purely mental health standpoint, just doing that one thing can change your life. So is it any surprise that our all-wise Father God, who loves us more than anything, would want us to develop and live in this state of mind? He always wants what's best for us, and in a world that promotes bitterness, anxiety, and fear, understanding the depth of His love and provision for us can literally turn your life around. As we approach Thanksgiving, let's use it as an opportunity to create that attitude of gratitude, the way of joy that comes from living in appreciation and love for the goodness of our living God. Jackie, as you're talking about the attitude of gratitude, it just makes me think of something that happened to me a few weeks ago. I had a situation where my left side of my face froze. So immediately I went into the emergency room because we didn't know if it was a stroke or not. I didn't know of anything else that would freeze your face. So we did went into the emergency room. I wasn't having a stroke, but I have something called Bell's palsy. Well, my husband and I were sitting in the emergency room so grateful. We were looking at the glass half full, not half empty. Not at the problem that I have that hopefully will go away prayerfully, and I encourage our listeners to pray for me by the first of the year, but so grateful that I hadn't had a stroke. You see, in everything in life, we can look at that glass half full or half empty. We can look at it for what God is doing and blessing him for it, or we can get mad and walk away from God. But that's not what he wants us to do, because everything in life is from him. The breath that we have that we take for granted, the life that he's given us, long or short, God wants us to always have an attitude of thanksgiving. If our eyes are on Jesus and we trust him for everything, then we should have an attitude of thanksgiving. Not just this week, but all year through. However, this is Thanksgiving week, so we're focusing on it now. So perhaps we can encourage you to start a new goal, a new direction in life for having that attitude of gratitude. We thought a good psalm to read that talks about giving thanksgiving to God would be Psalm 100. It's short. It's only five verses long. I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll dissect it. But as I'm reading it, think about what this is saying. Think about your heart and whether or not you follow these directives that are given to us in Psalm 100. It begins in verse 1 by saying, 
Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God? It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Great psalm, right, Jackie? Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. I'm just visualizing that scene, and it's just beautiful. It's joyful. My kids memorized this psalm when they were in kindergarten, and I'm so glad they did because whenever they memorized something, I did. And so whenever I get discouraged or when life kind of might put me down, I always recite the psalm because it reminds me to focus on God. It reminds me that he is the one I'm thankful for, for everything. Let's go back and dissect this a little bit. Let's look at what we can learn about Psalm 1 that we can apply to our own lives. First is to have an attitude of gratitude. You mentioned that already. Where does it say that? It says in the very first verse, it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Are we going to make a joyful noise unto God if we're sad or we're angry or are upset about something? No, we're going to grumble. But this says, don't grumble, in effect, because he wants us to use a joyful noise, not a happy noise. That comes from our circumstances. But joy comes from deep down in our heart. It's an attitude of satisfaction of everything in life because we know that God's in charge. I thought the same thing when you talked about making the joyful noise. I, I thought, what's the contrast to that? It's the moaning. It's the groaning. It's the complaining. It's the grumbling. And we know what God has said about that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He doesn't like that. And neither do we, actually, if we're around people that are always groaning and mumbling and complaining. There is something really full about that word joyful that is more impactful than just the word happiness. I know it talks about singing. I was kind of surprised when I was looking at verses on Thanksgiving and gratitude and whatever, how many times singing is mentioned. I don't consider myself much of a singer. Maybe God is uh, more merciful when it comes to listening to some of us than others. But just to know that that is an expression of joy. And so encouraging. When we hear singing, it lifts us up and encourages us as we praise the Lord in that. So the first thing to have an attitude of gratitude, verse one, make a joyful noise. And then verse two says, serve the Lord with gladness. That's a command. We're told that we are to serve the Lord. And when we do, it's with a glad heart, not with a grumbling heart or with a heart that says, oh, I don't want to do this or I've got other things to do. But everything we do to honor the Lord and serve him in life and in ministry and just everything is to be with gladness. Again, gladness is joyfulness, that heart of being at peace with God and wanting to worship him and honor him and look at the best because when we look at God, everything's the best. So we serve him with gladness and then it tells us in verse two also to come before his presence again with singing. Twice we have in there a joyful noise and singing. It's hard to come before God in prayer or in singing, or any kind of worship, if our attitude's wrong, if we are not in joy, or peace, or appreciation, or thankfulness for who God is, and what he's done for us. But if we have that attitude, we can come before his presence with a right heart. 
You think about people who are doing work and they're whistling and they're humming and whatever, and you know they're happy. They're doing it with a happy heart. I think those things are connected. It's all about attitude. When we travel and I get to be with my daughters-in-law and my sons, one of my daughters-in-law always sings in the morning. And it just is so uplifting to hear her, even though she doesn't know I'm listening. It is an encouragement. Hebrews 12, 28 talks about that also. It says, therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Oh, I love that. God's kingdom can never be shaken. And because I'm his child, I can go to him with everything. Anyway, since we received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. So if we recognize that our eternal kingdom is with God, it cannot be shaken. Nothing can happen to us here on earth that hasn't passed through God's hands. He's in complete control. Then we should have an attitude of gratitude and not just have the attitude, but show it, display it, take it from what's in our hearts and our heads and live it out. So we minister to other people with that attitude of gratitude. In this day and age, when it seems like people are, are negative and critical. What happens when you show kindness to someone at the grocery store or anyone you run into who's grumbling? Sometimes we want to grumble back. But if we instead show that attitude of gratitude that we have, because we know that our kingdom with God cannot be shaken, that's an attitude of thanksgiving that lifts other people up too. I'm looking at the last part of that verse that you just read about acceptable service with reverence and awe. And I thought, you know, if you have reverence and awe for God, that's also where a lot of that attitude can come from. You're looking at him, you're thinking about him and who he is, and you have reverence and awe. And that does fill you with gratitude for the things he's done, who he is, what he's created, what he's given us. Mm. Let's go now back to Psalm 100 and look at verse 3. That teaches us to honor God by his name. It says, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So we see here that the Lord, he is God. That's Yahweh because it's in the capital letters, L-O-R-D. So Yahweh is God. Yahweh is the I am. He always was and he always will be. He's the perfect God who is continuously everlasting and takes care of all of our needs. He's the God, the Yahweh, who brought the Israelites out of Egypt, and he will do those things for us. So we see that name there. Then it says he's made us, so he's our creator God. That's Elohim in the Hebrew. It means that he is the one who created us exactly as we are. He makes no mistakes. God made us perfect, according to Psalm 139, in his eyes. He made us in his image. He had a purpose and a plan for each one of us. And then it goes on to say in that verse that he's our shepherd. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd leads his flock because sheep are dumb animals. They need to be led by a shepherd or they will go astray. They tend to go in their own direction. And if a shepherd doesn't guide them, they'll be lost. They need that shepherd. And in our case, God is our shepherd. He's the one who leads us and guides us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If we will see God and honor him by his name, that's a way of thanking God, giving thanksgiving to him 
for who he is and how his name, his character affects each one of us. And if we look at him in the right way as God, that humbles us and so we have that proper attitude. If we look at him as our creator, we can observe creation and we can see the beauty and the power and the design of creation. And we can be overwhelmed when when people talk about the beauty of flowers, the beauty of the universe and the stars or the undersea world, all those different things. You just get another deeper appreciation for God and what kind of a creator he is and that he created us as well. So we get that proper attitude. And then being our shepherd, I just think of love, guidance, sacrifice, tender care. All of those things make me love him. This isn't a unique psalm. This isn't the only place that these things are mentioned. We see these attitudes and these attributes of God throughout all of Scripture. Another place we can see the fact that we should honor him by name is in Psalm 95, verses 1 through 5. That passage reads, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. That's another terminology for him. A rock is solid, and we can trust it. It's not going to crumble. Verse 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, just what we saw in Psalm 100. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountain are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Just very much like what you were just talking about, Jackie. Now, continuing on in Psalm 3, we find out that we should be worshiping God. That's a way of giving him thanks. It tells us in verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. So those are all forms of worship. Entering in his gates with thanksgiving and praise, that's going before the throne of God. In Hebrews 4.16 We're told to let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when we enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise, we're entering with confidence into the throne room of God. And nobody has ever seen God, but you and I can approach him through the spirit, through Jesus Christ. We're told to do that. These aren't requests. These are commands. We are to go before his gates with thanksgiving. And then it says, be thankful unto him. That means give thanks to him, just like we're commanded in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Think about it. What should we give thanks for? Everything, 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 good and bad. What we want, what we didn't want. How things happen to us, how they might not happen to us the way we want them to. Everything, be thankful to him. Because when we give thanks, we're honoring him and we're telling him that he's perfect. He has made the right decision, even though it's not ours. You see, sometimes we forget that when bad things happen to us, they are designed to draw us closer to Jesus Christ or to trust in him more to work through the situations or to make us more like him. Sometimes we get mad at God when bad things happen, but we're looking at them with the wrong perspective. We're told here to be thankful, to give thanks to him, and then finally to bless his name. Unfortunately, a lot of us are cursing him because when bad things happen, we get mad at God. We're criticizing or critical, and yet he tells us to honor 
him. Honor his name, honor his attributes, his characteristics, honor everything about him. That's the only way we can be thankful in everything. And just thinking about the ways we sometimes enter his presence in a negative way. I know he wants us to come to him with anything and everything, but how much better to come to him with thanksgiving and praise. That's why Psalm 103, 1 through 4 reads similarly when it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Remember, in Psalm 100, we were told to bless him. Bless his name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Now, did you catch that? He pardons all of our iniquities. It goes on to say he heals all your diseases, but I'm telling you, I'd rather have him pardon my iniquity than heal my diseases. Because if he pardons my iniquities, he opens the door to heaven for me. And when I say if, if, and he has done it, he has died on the cross for my sins. He forgives the sins that I commit day by day. He has opened the door into heaven by his mercy and his grace because of his redemption process of paying the penalty for our sins, if we will believe in Jesus. There's a lot to that psalm. There's a lot to worshiping God. When we worship God, we put him on the throne of our life. We make him our Lord. Unfortunately, many of us have put ourselves on the throne of our lives. We worship ourselves and what we want, which is fame and glory and money and whatever else is important to us. But God wants us to have him on the throne of our lives, that everything we do, we are to worship him. Worship means, by the way, to kiss. And it's the example of a dog licking his master's hand. You know what dogs are like in this day and age. They love their masters. They'll do anything for them. And that's what we mean here when we see the word worship. We are to worship God with everything we have with no reservations. So we come to him with love and devotion because we know who he is. We know his characteristics and we can praise him for his character. As we move to the last verse of Psalm 100, we are told here that we need to know God's attributes. It says, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. When we think of God, we think of his character qualities that he has. God is good. Is anything as good as God? Nothing is. When we say good, it's not just a simple little adjective. It means that everything about God is right. And the last part of this is he's truthful. He's good. He's right. He's truthful. He's honest. He's always there. He endures. He puts up with you and me and all the things that we do. He is long-suffering. It doesn't say that in this passage, but that's one of his many attributes because he has patience with us. He endures everything that we do. His mercy is everlasting. Everlasting. It's not going to stop. It means God's going to have compassion on you and I no matter what we do. Sometimes we think we need to work our way to God. No, we don't. God's mercy and his salvation takes care of anything that we could ever do to work our way to God. Sometimes we think we can't come back to God if we've gotten mad at him. No, that's where confession comes in. That's where God's mercy plays out. Just think of your children. If you watch them do something that's wrong and they get in trouble for it, do you disown them? Do you send them out of the house? No, you have mercy on them. 
You forgive them and you want them to learn from their mistakes, but you have mercy on them. And that's what God has for us, his amazing goodness and mercy and truth. In this day and age, we don't know what truth is unless we look to the Bible and we look to God because every different news station and everyone we know has a different form of truth and it's their truth, but that doesn't make it the right truth. God is truth. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's truth. He also says in Scripture, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That truth comes from God. There's so much security in what you've just said. Knowing God, knowing he's merciful, his truth endures forever, we can trust him. We can utterly depend on him because he's trustworthy. We know that our salvation is secured in him. That's the one thing that is totally settled that we can know about. If we feel insecure in anything else, if we've come to him and he's saved us from our sins, we can be secure in that. That's why Isaiah 12, 4 says, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, make them remember that his name is exalted. That's a way to give him honor and thanks is to share him and his name with other people. Debbie, there are some other verses on being thankful. In fact, if you want to look up verses on your computer or whatever, you can find tons of scripture on being thankful. So that's another little project you might want to do. But here's one from Ephesians 5.20. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Always And all things are in that. And then in the name of who? The Lord Jesus Christ, to God, and even the Father. So essentially that's almost a Trinitarian statement there, isn't it? It is, and it's a companion verse to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks. These are what God tells us to do. These aren't suggestions. God knows that we will find great joy in life if we follow his word. And in this case, his word is for us to be thankful. As we look at one of Paul's writings in Colossians 3, verses 12 and then 15 through 17, he talks about being thankful in all these verses. He begins by saying, So as those who've been chosen of God, holy and beloved, that's you and me, that's those of us who have believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are chosen of God, we're holy and beloved in his name. So these things are what we're told to do. Verse 15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And by the way, it's hard to be thankful if we don't have God's peace. And we only get God's peace by going to God and following his word. Otherwise, we're in turmoil. Peace, the Greek word is Irene, and it means absence of conflict. So if you're in conflict today, then go to God and find his peace and realize how awesome it is to be in fellowship with him. Going back now to Colossians 3, he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. That's it. That's the end of the verse. Be thankful. Verse 16 of Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There we have the singing again. And how are we to sing with thankfulness? Did you notice in your hearts to God? Now we can sing with our heads. We can quote the Our Father with our heads. We can read scripture with our heads. 
This is telling us to do it with our hearts, singing gratefully in gratitude to God. Verse 17 then goes on to say, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So in everything here in the New Testament, we're told to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him, because he is our mediator. He is the one who mediates between us and God the Father. If we're giving thanks to God the Father, we do it through Jesus Christ. And we also are thankful for Jesus Christ in all that he's done for us. It's just so comforting to know that we can have that attitude. We can choose to have that attitude. If it weren't for these verses telling us that, we might be able to skip out on that and think that we can't, it's not our choice. But really, being grateful is a choice. He's telling us that in these verses. And not only that, it's a positive choice. Not only is it important because he's worthy of all praise and honor and glory, but because it helps us to be our best. It helps us to have joy. He's really caring about us. He's not caring so much about himself is that he knows what's best for us. And for us to acknowledge who he is, is best for us. It's a choice. That's what you said. And that is so true. That's why Joshua says, choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if that's how you feel, then make sure to serve the Lord in singing, in gratitude, in thanksgiving so that we can be honoring and praising him for who he is and all that he does for us. Well, during this Thanksgiving season and all the year through, I'd like you to consider some new goals, to think about things in a different way. First, take a moment today to consider the simple things that you have to be grateful for, things that we sometimes take for granted, like our own breath or our life every morning or food and water, free country love of friends and family, things that we just automatically experience and take advantage of or sometimes take for granted. So just consider those simple things with an attitude of gratitude. And then thank God for the positive and even the negative relationships that you have in life. Your family and friends and neighbors and coworkers, they're all there for a reason. They're all meant for you to Accept them and love them and learn from them whether the relationships are good or bad. Consider that they're all people God brought into your life and thank him for that. Be grateful for them. See the positives in their lives. Another thing, reflect on the different things in life and thank God for the struggles, which we talked about. They're designed to draw us to him and to make us more like him and to appreciate him more. So see the struggles in a different way and thank God for your issues and your problems because he wants to help you through them. And then here's something during this Thanksgiving season, as you're sitting around the table with family and friends, consider showing gratitude to each person that you're with. Give them a compliment, an honest compliment, not a a flattering statement, but encourage them with some word of gratitude and thanksgiving for who they are and what they've meant to you and letting them know how thankful you are for them. And finally, will you make it a goal starting today to thank God every single morning before you get out of bed for something different? Not the same thing every day, but something different. It can be simple. The the fact that you're getting out of bed or the fact that you have a warm bed, or it could be major Thank you, God, that you love me, or thank you, God, that you saved me. Something every day for the rest of your life to thank God for, the good and the bad, 
because ultimately God wants us to praise him and thank him for he is good, who leads us and guides us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.